Hello, and welcome back to The Partial Historians. I am one of your intrepid hosts, Dr. Greenfield. And I'm exploding with excitement. I'm Dr. Radford. <laughs> I feel like you're giving away the surprise. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what is this episode about? I believe it is about the eruption of Pompeii. Oh, God, that's not what I prepared at all. Collective gas. <gasps> oh, my God. <laughs> what? I know. Now, see... Volcanoes. I'm, I'm not a volcanologist. <laughs> well, no, neither am I. I think that goes without saying. Oh. Um, but... Pompeii is an interesting case because it has such a presence in the popular imagination, I think. It seems to be way more popular in the popular imagination than it was in the ancient world, well, to exactly. be honest. Well, exactly. Yes, this is the thing. <laughs> We're kind of doing this not only because it happens in the reign of Titus, dun-dun-dun, but... Dun, dun. Yeah, exactly. Son of Vespasian. Yeah, exactly. See last episode. Yeah. <laughs> but because there is a movie out. There is yet what? another what? movie out. Film? Yeah. yeah, exactly. A film, a film, which has just come out about Pompeii. And this is, I just want to, I just want to quote. <laughs> what have is you in... been to the cinema to I, see it? I might have been to the cinema. <laughs> and uh, the cinema tells me this, okay? <clears throat> uh It was the jewel of our empire. A place of corruption, temptation, and a battle for survival. From all corners of the Roman world, people would gather here. But for all their strength, they lived in the shadow of a greater power. Um, <laughs> that sounds like a massive oversell. Yeah, okay. I might have added evil laugh at the end. No, no, no. But, <laughs> but even, even the words themselves yeah, exactly. without the inflection. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that's the whole thing I, I love about Pompeii movies. They seem to make Pompeii far more important than it actually was. We're talking about a couple of towns, medium-sized towns, nice towns. But nothing special, really. And I mean, this is... I actually like this quote from... Uh, well, they weren't Neil... where you went for your holiday. No, well, depending on who you were. But yeah, Neil McGregor, who I think is something to do with the British Museum, head of the British Museum or something like that, he says of oh, Pompeii and Herculaneum, which was also destroyed at the same time, but people seem to forget this, um, <laughs> that Pompeii and Herculaneum were ordinary Roman cities, but they were destroyed in extraordinary circumstances. And that's, I suppose, why... Why they live on in the yes. popular imagination. It's not, yes. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. Oh. Perhaps we should actually talk about what happened and fill people in on the background, Dr. G. Um, I feel like there was a volcano. Yeah, there was a volcano. <laughs> we talked a little about this volcano before. Because we're in the, uh, the region of Campania. Yeah, yeah. So we're talking about a nice area of Italy. It is a nice area. Fertile. Mm. Right, <laughs> right for ravaging, as Spartacus discovered. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not going to end up conflating those two. Yeah. <laughs> They're considered to be moderately prosper- uh, prosperous. Yes. But it's, it's, seriously, Spartacus was there. Like, he camped out at Vesuvius. We talked about this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that was the thing this I was remembering, was exciting, it? I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tying all the threads together. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, so it's... They're very far apart. It's almost a century between I the know, two, you know. I know, but see, it's also To not... my mind, they're very distant. Well, I guess. But... I suppose something that's interesting is that Pompeii is caught up in the social wars. Yes. About 10 years before, or so, 10, 15 years yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. If we're talking about social wars, we're talking about sort of about 90 BC. Yeah, so really 20 years. But so, yeah. 
like 120 years yeah. before the eruption of yeah. Vesuvius. But Pompeii at that point in time was an ally of Rome. Hmm. After losing <laughs> in uh, uh, yeah. losers. <laughs> um, hey guys, we lost the social war. <laughs> yeah, we well, are now anti-social. After the social wars and Sulla and all that kind of stuff, Pompeii is officially absorbed into the empire. Full on. Full on, yes. man. Like totally part of the empire. Yeah, so it's one of these areas of greater Italy that's gradually gradually absorbed into Roman power and yeah. the circle of Roman power. Yeah. Um, the social wars are to do with sort of sovereignty um, through a States number of... rights, you might say. Yeah. Bit pick and tell you. <laughs> <laughs> claims, claims to various amounts of sovereignty and independence from Rome. Mystic! <laughs> yeah, they all lose. Yeah. Sorry, but guys. they kind of get what they wanted a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but what we eventually see, by the time we get to 79 AD, yes. when we see the eruption of Vesuvius, Pompeii is well in the fold. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. It is a good old Roman town. And, you know, some people might have their holiday visits here. I believe that our old friend, Cicero, <laughs> or Cicero, <laughs> he's more common Oh, Mr. Chickpea. Yeah, exactly. I believe that he might have had a villa, perhaps, in the region. He may have done, but mm. I dare say he was dead well, yes. by the time the eruption happened. No, I know that. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just like, like historical continuity, guys. Yeah, yeah. I just mean there there were people that had yeah, villas, yeah, yeah. you know, in this region that were you could holiday there if you so exactly chose. exactly. Um, because being a smaller town, um, there were away from it all exactly getting away from it all. But also that there was this idea that you know people would have perhaps the sprawling villas on the outskirts of the town, you know, just yep. in the countryside, you know, sipping <laughs> on the old vino and yeah. sampling the local fish sauce. Oh, I hear it's a delicacy there. Oh, <laughs> let's not go too far down that path. Roman fish sauce, <laughs> the gross of yeah. the gross. Yeah. But, you know, nice mountainous views in the yeah. distance. But Vesuvius is not very close to Pompeii. Close enough as we'll find out. But it's not like the mountain is, like, like, oh, the town is right at the base of the mountain. No, no, it is not. They're relatively distant. Yeah, Herculaneum, the other sort of... I mean, there are, there are quite a few little towns that are destroyed when Vesuvius erupts in... Uh, Nobody talks about those. Nobody talks about those. But Herculaneum... Herculaneum, if, if there's going to be a second town remembered, Herculaneum is the next biggest mm. and the next one to be remembered. And that is, I think, half as close again to Vesuvius as Pompeii. Like, yeah. In other words, it's much closer. <laughs> but... Things aren't all rosy. We're very precisely geographical, yeah. aren't we? I know. Geography's not my strong point. Um, but there are indications that, I mean, it, you know, for us, when we look back, there are these indications that perhaps disaster is going to strike well before it actually does. Oh. Because there are Portents. significant earthquakes ah, yes. in 62 or 63 AD. We're not entirely sure. Mm. But quite substantial earth tremors. Yeah. Now, it seems that in the ancient mind, they don't necessarily associate this with the volcano that's nearby. Well, it seems that the volcano has been inactive. Oh, for ages. For, yeah, for yeah, yeah. yonks. Nobody can remember the last time it blew up. Yeah, hundreds so, of years. Yeah, you know, exactly. There's no yeah. reason why you'd necessarily connect the two. No, no. I forgive them for their... <laughs> <laughs> but it seems like that maybe in the ancient mind, the understanding was the earthquakes could have been caused by wind rather than... Mm. Volcanic activity, mm. but anywho, either way, they're, the they're, earth farts and yeah. thus the earthquake. Exactly. 
<laughs> the gods have had a rather good meal, <laughs> so they let one rip. Oh, I and love we history. suffer the consequences. I love it. <laughs> but yeah, it's substantial enough that historians actually debate what state Pompeii was in when the when the vol- volcano erupts. That mm. you know, had people already started to sort of desert the town because it was in, you know, they they decided to flee. Basically, well, had I mean, not yeah. everyone, not everyone is people on didn't this really issue. know what was happening. Yeah, exactly. Like, and it that, seems it that seems by the like time the, they yeah. cotton on. It's a little bit too late. Yeah, and as I said, like buildings were being repaired. It's not like they went, oh well, an earthquake. I guess we better go. <laughs> but people are sort of, yeah. Historians do debate. Well, how many people were hanging around during this period while things are still being repaired? Yeah. I mean, this Vespasian, our friend, he's one of the people that when he gets into power, he does help with yeah. the rebuilding and that sort of thing, hmm. as you would expect. And also, you know, notable people in the town are obviously going to be throwing their money behind the town and <laughs> therefore getting... Look, the... I think it's fair to say that it's a relatively populated region and it's clear that there are some people there. Oh, for sure, yeah. And it's, and... Like, it's not like everybody's evacuated prior No, no, no. To and look, there, there's quite a few historians who believe that, um, you know, people were definitely hanging around and it wasn't like the town was deserted or anything at all. Mm. But anywho, anywho... It seems that in some time in August, possibly late <laughs> August, disaster... On a catastrophic scale, <laughs> strikes, <laughs> and we have an account of this. How, Doctor G? Um, well, we have an account mostly through Pliny the Younger, mm. um, who, whose uncle Pliny the Elder, oh. <laughs> not, to, not his father, not to be confused with him. No. Um, his uncle is an eyewitness and a victim. Well, yes, unfortunately. And Pliny the Younger, I suppose, is an eyewitness of sorts, although not a victim, Uh, but from afar. (laughs) He's an eyewitness of his uncle's demise, I suppose, to a certain extent. (laughs) Uh, He watches his uncle go after the volcano. Yeah, and luckily for us, um, it seems that the historian Tacitus, to whom we so fondly refer um, often... Uh, it seems that he requested accounts of what had happened when he was writing his histories from yeah. his friend Pliny. Yeah, so this yeah. is one of those uh, moments where all of our major players seem to tie together I in know. a really, really lovely sort of fashion. You think to yourself, oh, they're all moving in the same circles, Do you aren't have they? Yeah, the collective R. <laughs> yeah, so book six, letter 16 uh, of Pliny the Younger is an account to Tacitus of. Uh, the demise of the elder Pliny. Because you would be forgiven for thinking that if it's a volcanic eruption, blah, 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 movies, 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 that (laughs) these towns were destroyed by lava and magma. No. But no, it's not the case at all. Sorry. No. And that's probably because... Be careful of going to the cinema, my friend. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) um, It seems to be because Vesuvius had been inactive for so long, Mm. it's not going to be that kind of eruption. It's going oh. because yeah, yeah yeah I feel I feel like you might be becoming a volcano expert no 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no 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 how much more do you know well tell me basically everything. because the volcano had been inactive for so long it was kind of it's got like a plug in the top exactly of it. yeah it's kind of blocked yeah and yeah. so as a result it's not going to be 
lava coming out is going to be this build-up of pressure and yeah, gas yeah. and all sorts of other volcanic matter. Yeah, and yeah. and so everything that's sort of been uh, trapped at the surface yes. for successive centuries, however long it's been dormant, yeah. is built up and dried out and then finally smushed out in yeah. this explosion. That's a technical term, people. Smushed out. Smushed out, out yeah. yeah. <laughs> and once it's smushed out rather yeah. than it's anybody's guess, they reckon the sky darkens for over two days. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's the other thing. It happens it's for like a... an asteroid that destroys the dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> and it happens for such a long time. Well, this not is not an eruption that just goes... Well, this is what's fascinating. And yeah. like, this is the sort of thing that we haven't really seen uh, in our own lifetimes except really recently. I think it was like 2011 yes. when we had the volcanic eruption that Absolutely. sort of uh, disrupted air space all through Europe, essentially. Yeah. And and you have to think on that sort of scale to a certain extent. Uh, the idea that the sky is covered your vision is impaired and there is this sort of noxious poisonous yes. dust yeah like exactly. the particles in this um containing all of the and that's really what the happens trouble. to these towns they are destroyed by what's called pyroclastic surges um, i feel like you're becoming an no, expert no 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 no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah essentially you know there's tremors as you would expect which um Pliny the younger can feel. Pliny the younger is at Mycenaeum, which mm. is quite a distance away but still even where he is it still is dark during the day they can still yeah, yeah. they're still seeing visible effects oh, of totally. the eruption yeah and they're feeling earth tremors like quite significant ones mm. significant enough that eventually he and his mother scarper out of there <laughs> <laughs> time to leave this place exactly let's and blow this nowhere near Pompeii <laughs> let's blow this popsicle stand yeah, yeah exactly and um, the, you know the sea is turbulent so that eventually you know you'd think that being uh, on the coast... <gasps> Tsunami th- warning. Yeah, exactly. Being on the coast, you might think that that was a viable means of escape, but no. <laughs> Careful. Exactly. Is it sailing season? Yeah, and so in, in Pompeii, people are being hit with debris... Because of the way the wind is, um, they're being hit with things like pumice, like falling pumice stones, <laughs> and of yes. quite substantial size, eventually. Like, yeah. could kill a person, you mm. know, if, if they hit you on the head. <laughs> but also are going to cause just the weight... Or, and, you know, because it goes on for days, like the weight of it will eventually mm. cause buildings to collapse, roofs to cave in. Dangerous if you're hanging around inside. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm not sure where you are, dear listener, uh, while you're reading or listening to this, I should say. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I suspect uh, the only thing that in my life that I've experienced that is any way similar to this is massive bushfires. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. You start where, to think. Where you start to see the ash. Uh, sometimes still a light dropping out of the sky. Yeah, yeah. Hundreds of kilometres from Where? the site of the fire itself. Absolutely. Because of the winds that have blown it. Um, and people are understandably terrified, you know, because they know that well, they know. It's, it's almost like the sky's caving in. Yeah, and like the fact that it's, you know, it's in, particularly in places like Pompeii and Herculaneum, which are much closer to the eruption, it really is as dark as night, apparently, mm. in the middle of the day. And, mm. um, and, Basically, they sort of have to make the choice, should I stay or should I go down here? <laughs> <laughs> I like, there's a description uh, in Pliny's letter of the of the cloud mm. uh, that they Threatening. see. So this is a cloud that they can see from Mycenaeum. And they can see, it. I, I, I think, everywhere. They sort of see it forming, yeah, you know, yeah building and building. Yeah, and then, yeah. then, starts, then shit starts to fall. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they, he describes it as being like an umbrella pine. Mm. Um, which I suppose is quite descriptive enough as it is. Um, 
that it rises to a great height as a trunk and then starts to spread. Yeah. So if you think about the sort of force that have to be behind the explosion out of Vesuvius yeah. for it to go up into a trunk-like shape for that for such a visible distance. Absolutely. Um, we're talking about incredible pressure burst. Yeah, and, and Pliny's uncle was apparently a, a man of learning and curiosity, as, as many of you who've read his extensive work on that. <laughs> he was very excited. He, he was, decided to grab his shoes yeah, and go after Exactly, and he, his friends Get a closer sent, look. Yeah, his friends sent him this request, you know, because they were closer to it and they were pretty freaked out. <laughs> so he decides to go. He says to Pliny the Younger, want to come with? Mm-hmm. Pliny the Younger says, I think I'm okay right here. Yeah, I'm going to study. I'm going to study. <laughs> <laughs> but thank God he did, I have to admit. <laughs> um, Fortunate for us. Yeah, and so Pliny the Elder rushes off and as he, uh, as he gets closer, apparently, he jotted down some observations which are very handy for Penny the Younger whenever he stumbles Although I'm those. still curious as to how they survive. I don't know how either, but either way, he seems to have come across his uncle's observations. But again, this is this is where I think it's hilarious. You know, the idea that um, he doesn't just, you know, sort of rush off and then get killed. He rushes yeah, off, he arrives, rushes off, meets his friend. Takes some notes. Yeah, takes some notes. <laughs> they, he has a bath, he goes to bed, he sleeps, <laughs> they wake up and go, hmm... It seems that perhaps if we stay in this house, we're going to be boxed in by the ash <laughs> at my door. Maybe we should leave. So let's just let's tie... get closer to yeah. the volcano. Let's tie some pillows to our heads and make a dash for it. Eh? <laughs> um, and so yeah, they they tie pillows to their heads, <laughs> and they run off to the shore. But the sea is you know dangerous, and it seems that it's here that Pliny's uncle is overcome by noxious gases mm. or something like that. Um, which is not an uncommon way for people to die in this eruption, and that's yeah. I think where pe- that's why I think people would be surprised about because you you do think just you know encased oh. in flaming lava, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you see those bodies, lava, yeah, exactly. No, it's it's not lava, fire, <laughs> yeah, yeah, burnt to a but, you know, crisp the, on the inside. Yeah, the dangerous stuff yeah. is that a pyroclastic surge is basically made up of you know of ash and. And it's incredibly hot, Hmm. and it's gases, which are incredibly dangerous. And so, basically, when these surges hit the towns, we're talking about anywhere between sort of 250 degrees Celsius to 450 degrees Celsius. Hmm. And so, a lot of people would have been killed on impact of these these surges Hmm. hitting the towns. And, you know... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. All the folks. <laughs> yeah, if your ash is that hot, then, you know, you've got troubles. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the the stuff relating to Pliny's experience of it yeah. is that he's eventually just overcome by the amount of ash. Yeah. Um, and he's walking around with a couple of slaves and, yeah. then, and just collapses. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, it's not in any way dignified, I don't suppose. And No, and even for people who were somewhat sheltered, like at Herculaneum... They found some people who were uh, by the shore, somewhat sheltered, mm. um, you know, in boat sheds and that sort of thing. Um, even they, the temperatures were still so hot that they yeah. were killed instantly. You know, I mean, painfully probably, yeah, but instantly. Yeah. Um, and so it's yeah, it's not it's not a pleasant, I would say, way to go. No, not at all. And and the state of the preservation when we see these bodies, and they often look. Um, terribly disfigured. I mean, it's partially to do with how they've been preserved. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, we have this, um, I suppose we should say that um, Herculaneum and Pompeii, I mean, they never, people never forgot about them. Like, they knew that they were there. Mm. Um, But they were just sort of, 
they I think it was recognised at the time that they were kind of beyond repair. Well, Pompeii was buried. It's kind of macabre to sort of rebuild. Well, yeah, but that, like Herculaneum, I mean, even for modern archaeologists, Herculaneum is a problem because Herculaneum was kind of buried. They're in totally different directions, Pompeii and Herculaneum, I should probably say. Mm. Um, and so Pompeii was hit by all this falling ash and pumice and that sort of thing, which Herculaneum didn't really get. And Pompeii was basically buried in this stuff, which is quite lightweight, and so it's easier to excavate there, and only up to a certain depth, whereas Herculaneum is buried deep underground, and it's buried by this almost... It becomes like cement, almost, (laughs) you know, like the... This much it's so slower. it's so hot that yeah. after it comes out and it settles, it exactly. starts to it starts to it actually carbonizes. Yeah, 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 it starts to cling back to each other. And yeah, so, so there's, there's reforms, less, if you like. Yeah, there's kind of less destruction at Herculaneum because things are sort of petrified. But I suppose so much more difficult, but so to much get more to. difficult to excavate. Yeah, and so people kind of decide, well, we'll let things more or less lie. <laughs> <laughs> you know what would be a good idea? Just walk away. Yeah, just walk away. Just forget just, it. Just pretend it never happened. But then in the 1700s, there is this renewed interest, I suppose. And so, yeah, they, they are sort of rediscovered and people start excavating them. Hmm. And some of the people, um, I mean, more people were found in Pompeii than in Herculaneum. It's about, you know, 1200 or so in Pompeii, about 300 in Herculaneum. Hmm. Um, and basically... One of the guys who's director of this site, you know, of Pompeii, he comes up with this clever idea. He realises that he can fill the gaps, I suppose you say, left by bodies with plaster and make plaster casts. Ew. Yeah, of of people, of, you know, of the way people died. And it's very effective <laughs> in the sense of... I mean, you can actually see in some cases what people were wearing, mm. you know, um, as in... The level of clothing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so it is fascinating, but it is kind of a bit freakish at the same time. <laughs> and of course, being plaster, they shrink when yeah, they dry. Yeah. So they also seem a bit teeny. Oh. <laughs> we found a lot of small people. Yeah, exactly. Nutrition in those days. You know. <laughs> well, on that note, I think, uh, well, that's a, that's a disaster episode, isn't it? Well, well, I mean, I suppose the, the interesting thing for me is, is, the, is the film. Oh, I mean, oh well. Yes, yeah. I think we, well, we should end I'm not on the done film, yet, shouldn't we? I'm not done yet, <laughs> um, Because that's the thing about uh, Pompeii. It really captures the imagination of people at the time when they are you know, re-excavating. Um, and with Although every they have new been discovery, re-excavating for quite some well, time. Yeah, exactly. It's an ongoing project. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but mostly because um, there's this particularly famous novel called The Last Days of Pompeii that mm-hmm. was written in 1834 um, by Edward Bulwer-Lytton. Now, <laughs> I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if none of you have ever heard of him. However, <gasps> he is particularly famous for, for, um, for a lot of his... Uh, his quotes from his work. Um, he qu- he's the one that uh, came up with the phrases, the great unwashed, the pen is mightier than the sword. And his most famous... Uh, what? I thought that was Shakespeare. I know, I know. Uh, and then his most famous one uh, was, one of his novels was opened with the statement, it was a dark and stormy night. So that's... that's just, oh, yeah. yeah. And there's actually a... That guy. Yeah, there's actually a contest um, <laughs> for the worst opening line ever, <laughs> um, which is run every year. And so just to give you uh, an example this is my particularly uh, famous one 
As he told her that he loved her, she gazed into his eyes, wondering, as she noted the infestation of eyelash mites, the tiny diodesids burrowing into his follicles to eat the grassy sebum they're in, each female laying up to 25 eggs in a single follicle, causing inflammation, where the eyes are truly the windows of the soul, and if so, his soul needs regrouting. Oh, yeah, that no. was the 2012 winner of the Bulwer Lytton Prize. <laughs> yeah. So, but nonetheless... So we're talking as, about a, uh, an aficionado of purple prose. Yeah, we might ridicule, but it was a big hit. Big <laughs> and it spawned plays and a pirate drama, you know, where they'd mm. have it outside and have a volcano erupting. Very exciting. <laughs> yeah, Shakespeare in the park. Get your scientist stuff. friends involved. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it then, I mean, this, <laughs> this novel has been turned into a movie so many times, like eight <laughs> times. It's crazy. Really? Yeah. Starting off in the silent days because, That's of course... quite frequently. I know. I mean, even when even when movies about Pompeii, because there are heaps of them, mm. even when they're not drawing on this particular novel, there is always this idea that Pompeii was destroyed because it was a sinful dark <laughs> isn't that the reason why most natural disasters exactly occur? it's punishment from the gods duh <laughs> you need to seek no further explanation <laughs> um, and the most recent incarnation is of course Pompeii which I was lucky to see a couple of years ago <laughs> and I, I you found went to see Kit Harrington. I did and I must admit I've regretted it ever since really oh, look, it he was, seems like such a lovely young it man it was so bad that it was good <laughs> I, I found a particular <laughs> review by Paul Burns which I, which I like because he entitled it it's not just the volcano that blows <laughs> that kind of sounds promising though yeah oh look it, it's a total <laughs> rip off I mean this guy, you don't have to be a film expert to notice this. Mm. It is a total ripoff of Gladiator and Spartacus. Oh. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, the I'm not main... sure how that works for Pompeii. Oh, it's unbelievable. Like, but the thing is, this is in the tradition of Roman cinema because, you know, Roman films draw on Roman films. Pompeii is not really known for its warriors. No, this is true. But it's known for having Gladiator, Slave protagonists involved in their stories you know um like the 1935 protest protest yeah <laughs> historical inaccuracy why don't we focus on the lay people yeah well that's just lots it. of people there's own often, shops in pompeii there's often this star-crossed lover type storyline and pompeii is no exception um in that this noble girl <laughs> from the town seems to fall very quickly in love with the lowly and angry gladiator. <laughs> that is, not instead of being the Spaniard, he's the Celt. And he's just as disdainful of his profession as Maximus is in Gladiator. <laughs> um, and he has a black best friend. And, of course, there's a bit of tension there, but eventually they end up getting along. I mean, come on! It's unbelievable. Um, it sounds very clichéd. I'm glad I didn't It is clichéd. But, as I say, it's actually well in keeping because, you know, William, <laughs> William Wyler, who is the director of Ben-Hur, instead of doing research on, you know, Roman Empire, blah, 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 he watched other Roman movies. So it's, <laughs> it's still in the, the keeping of the tradition of just melding other films together, using those formulas that work, and repackaging them. I presume... I feel like were, we should go into the film industry. I, I, I feel like they were counting real stories on to tell. the Game of Thrones factor not happening like that's not enough to make this movie. really oh, i mean no. i was tempted by the abs in the poster oh no 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 get harrington i'm sorry i'm sorry you were terrible so bad but I, I it could have been the script it could have been i mean the guy directing it and seemingly very involved in the project he's known for films maybe just like, turn down the sound yeah he's he's known for films like alien versus predator need i say more classy yeah exactly so 
by all means, watch it. <laughs> and be prepared to have a hearty laugh. <laughs> yeah, and, and remember to question uh, the source material that they're relying on. Because I'm not sure that they're relying on any source material. Well, I mean, you know, there's the odd bit here and there. I mean, one of... Uh, there is a volcano. The black eruption. best friend, seemingly, I think, was meant to be the soldier character, you know, in, who was found on the shores near Herculaneum, I think. Um, oh. Yeah, because he's, you know, down there waiting for his friend with his... You know, weapons and stuff. And then he dies. And then he dies. So it seems like they are trying to in some places, but <laughs> not hard enough. And I don't have a problem with that, really. But it is a <laughs> an interesting addition to the Pompeii collection of films that exist. Mm. One yeah. day we'll have to do, like, a review of all of the Pompeii oh, films. Oh, there are so many. There are so many, yeah. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like that would take us down it a very a, interesting path. Oh, yeah, it would take a long time. <laughs> Anyway, on that note, Dr. G. Well, I feel I feel like I've learned something. I know. I think, I think we covered the actual disaster and the filmic disaster. <laughs> the film is its own disaster. And it, it takes the disaster on two levels. It's just as entertaining it's to watch. It's about disaster. Yeah. <laughs> and it is a disaster. Oh, I'm so glad I saw it. Well done, W.S. Anderson. Well done. <laughs> That's a very in keeping with the tradition, I suspect. It really is. I love it. <laughs> well, that concludes our, our special edition episode on... The eruption of Vesuvius yes, I of next, 79. Next time, we're on Flavian Fun again. Yeah, I think we'll be looking at the life of Titus. Nice. Nice. 